Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Here we go. Yes. Okay, here we go. Hold on. A-U-N, American Underground Network. The primary reason why the individual citizens of a country create a political structure is a subconscious wish or desire to perpetuate their own dependency relationship of childhood. Simply put, they want a human God to eliminate all risk from their life, pass them on the head, kiss their bruises, put a chicken on every dinner table, clothe their bodies, tuck them into bed at night, and tell them that everything will be all right when they wake up in the morning. This public demand is incredible, so the human god, the politician, meets incredibility with incredibility by promising the world and delivering nothing. So who is the bigger liar, the public or the god prophet? All revolutions have been led by young people. If you just think of the TV images of whether it's Tiananmen Square or whether it's the uh, revolts in Central America or Europe, it's the young people, it's the college people who are more principled and not locked in and they're not embedded with the government. They are the ones who are concerned about the future because the future is theirs. My research has shown at this point that the future laid out for us may be just about impossible to change. I do not agree with the means by which the powerful few have chosen for us to reach the end. I do not agree that the end is where we should end at all. But unless we can wake the people from their sleep, nothing short of civil war will stop the planned outcome. It's the National Collective Consciousness Show with Dee Farrell in Portland, Oregon, Jim Condon Jr. in Cincinnati, Ohio, Steve Harris in Charlotte, North Carolina. Now, live from Evanston, Illinois, your host, Fred Smart. Hey, thanks, everyone. Uh, just a couple of weeks ago, we had as, a, as our special guest, Jim Condit, and right after that call, Jim Condit, uh, uh, along with Melinda, uh, put me on voicemail or left a voicemail and I have uh, a connection with Melinda going way back. It's kind of a story that's totally separate, uh, brings back her great grandfather, uh, Pillsbury, who was a famous artist photographer there in Yosemite. And maybe we can chat about a little bit of that history because uh, it is so fascinating. But Melinda Pillsbury Foster has been uh, active throughout many, many years in the freedom movement. Uh, she, she did interface with us many years ago with freedom of fascism. She's very cognizant and aware of all the things that we were doing many, many years ago. And this is a simple idea, but it sounds very powerful. If you can just listen tonight and get the information on our newsletter, share it, because it's a simple idea. Uh, you know, bringing people together using the power of, the, of TV, interactive television, 
Uh, it sounds sort of uh, uh, clunky, but it's simple and it's direct and it's powerful. Uh, we think of YouTube and things like that as far as video goes, but there is a, an opportunity for all of us in the freedom movement to embrace interactive TV and, and use it to empower and position and leverage our voices uh, globally at, at the national level and at the local level. Joining us tonight, Melinda Pillsbury Foster, the CEO of Freedom Interactive TV Networks Association, along with her colleague, the executive producer of the same organization, Brock Devignon. I'm not sure if I said that the right way, but Brock and Maybe. Melinda, thank you so much. <laughs> well, thank you I, for I having four me. Years, I took four to years of French in high school, but I never really figured out how to speak too much French, guys. Thank you, Melinda, for coming on, and thank you, Brock, for joining us tonight. Well, thank you. We're both delighted to be here, and it is wonderful to be able to discuss Freedom Interactive with you because we've watched the movement struggle. I have watched the movement struggle for about since 1973. Uh, at first, there seemed to be some hope that they could do that politically, but I kind of, I gave that up by 1988 and started looking for other uh, avenues to be able to return America to freedom. Uh, one of the things that I did actually is I put together a plan. It was called the Honesty Bond, and it was stolen by Newt Gingrich. You know it as um, the contract. I would call it the contract on America and not the contract with America. But that's a separate story. You try things and you try other things, and then eventually you, you find everything that you need. If you're, if you're lucky and if you are um, a person of faith, to make it actually work. And Brock and I met um, six years ago. And it was astonishing. We were put together by a mutual friend who said, you're the two best strategists in the movement and you need to talk. And so we did for about six hours on that first call. But we realized that we'd both been aiming at exactly the same thing. And as we compared ideas, we realized that what needed to happen was, one, an in-depth analysis of exactly what we could expect was going to happen and what we were going to be confronting in the future. And then uh, we needed to look at what actually could allow us to use the free market to outcompete the mainstream media to create a sustainable economy and return America to where it was intended to be in the first place. And that is Freedom uh, Interactive. Because maybe it sounds a little bit clunky, but it's not. When you see the effect that it had in the one time that actually Brock had an opportunity to use it on a presidential campaign in 1992, you see that, one, you can take out a sitting president. He isn't even sure at the time what the heck is happening to him. And you can see a down-at-the-hills politician um, this was Bill Clinton, actually amazingly uh, be enabled to gain the White House because what he was doing, he was using, um, he was using, uh, he was using interactive television on satellite, but it wasn't even really very interactive. 
And that that little company that Brock started was Phone Voter Interactive TV, and it was founded January 21st, um, 1992. So you see, it doesn't take very long. I'm going to let him tell you that story, okay? It's a fascinating story, and when you realize, go ahead. When you realize what actually happened, you're going to be, I think, shocked. Yeah, yeah okay, okay. Everyone, uh, we're going back to 1992. Behind the scenes, unbeknownst to all of us, yes, we had a third-party candidate in Ross Perot, but what was happening back then was this phone voter technology, and this is the story of the individual, Brock, our guest tonight, who was behind that, uh, who's going to tell the story. Brock, thank you so much. Take us back to 1992 and what happened. Well, I, I will do that. Uh, Melinda's put together a wonderful website called phonevoter.us, which tracks interactive television, telepoles, uh, uh, capital calling cards, uh, all sorts of technologies now that have been superseded by gaming technologies and social media. But just the first time out, within six weeks, uh, we cleaned the clock of a sitting president who at the time was 89% popular in the polls. Uh, we invited him to participate. There were 128 presidential candidates that year. Most of them defeated themselves saying, oh, well, we can't afford that. And I said, well, who's asking you for money? <laughs> you know, uh, commercials and advertising do amazing things. It's called the free market. Uh, but uh, four people decided to play. Uh, the antecedents of what we're doing now, we learned lots of lessons from then. Uh, we stuck a satellite uplink truck behind an obscure Arkansas governor that was broke and um, uh, had him handle his own microphone because he didn't have any other money. He had this real great, I feel your pain riff. And uh, he was reaching 10 million people a day via a satellite TV audience. Satellite also works as a distribution system to every network television director in the country, both spot and network. So he was doing that. He, he weaseled out of paying us and didn't want to do the interactive because too many women were, wanted to ask him uh, very embarrassing questions. And uh, his wife was lying to her teeth about his sexual peccadilloes. Jerry Brown... Uh, was uh, doing 800 numbers, and we were using 7, 800, 900 numbers and capital calling cards for Ross Perot, uh, his uh, owners of America, Inc., kind of like Ron Paul's revolution. It was separate from the campaign and smarter. Uh, and the ladies that were running that, uh, we had him in the single digits, but, you know, he was kind of there plateauing and concerned about the national debt, bless his soul. Uh, anyway, I said, you're not reaching many women, and you ladies, what do you got? And so we came up with the idea of asking the people who had paid $20 each for a capital calling card, it cost $0.99, cents, to have your opinion forwarded to both media outlets and your Congress critter, and we had their phone number and zip code. So in doing this, we broke it into two things. We learned the lesson of dual phone voting. You separate the topic away from any proposal for force of law or police or military action. That unconfuses the audience. What are we talking about here? In the case of abortion, 
uh, the initial question was, would you favor it in your own family, yes or no? Second question was, would you penalize a doctor or woman for having one? And uh, the stats came in within a week. 77% said, nah, it's not for me. But interestingly enough, 73% said, I wouldn't force it by law. So I get curious about this differential about three, four percent. And I called one fellow up and he says, uh, uh, you I don't like any of your punitive things. If you want somebody to behave the way you want, you uh, have offered them a bribe or some incentive. And I said, well, what you got in mind? And he says, well, offer a scared young woman a pleasant Hawaiian vacation and people who want to put their money where their mouth is can buy folic acid for, you know, the baby. And I said, oh, okay. I got two sponsors right there. I like this. So we kicked this out, and within three days, um, the tremendous rush was a 20% shift in opinion. If you can move more than 4%, you can shout hallelujah. The 20% said, I like this incentive-based method. And then he, Rothko started climbing in the polls into teen digits, 20 digits. He got up to 38%, mostly on women and then others looked at his uh, national debt concerns, and they joined it. And he was going to win unless, when he cut bait because of some Texas politics with Bushko. But that lesson we learned there and the telepoles and everything were all of the precursors of uh, gaming technologies where today there are more people playing virtual racing games this minute than watch the Super Bowl once a year, any minute. With standing boards, uh, uh, Melinda's invented a ragtime TV called Reality Activist Gaming Television. So the underground is called fiber optic cables and coax, and we have an aerial game called Satellites in the Sky, literally over every continent. We have access to all these. We put together a media combine that is second to none. I'm sure you've heard of CBS and NBC and so forth. Well, the same people that they use 800 channels a day, we do too. And only they like us and they don't really like them. Data centers that don't do censorship. The most modern liquid-cooled ones and the air-cooled ones tell us, yeah, they're asking us for help to get Parler that was taken down by Amazon up again. I said, we can do that in four hours. We can have the whole thing swallowed and back up in four hours, and we can add bells and whistles where the audience labels crazies. The audience, not TV executives or platform executives, uh, then can filter out what they don't want to hear. And they can use competitive ratings criteria, whether that's uh, Playboy to the Catholic Legion of Decency on a movie review. They can pick what they want. And uh, thus, the audience is empowered. If anybody proposes violence, like you said for governments earlier, or <laughs> some individual wants to you know, kill somebody, well, then anybody can report that to interveners. But by and large, uh, empowering the audience is, is your opening statement that sort of collective wisdom is there. But none of it uses force. None of it advocates censorship. You want to know who the idiots and the crazies and the people that want to shoot somebody are because if you don't let them spout off, then they will pick up their AR and do something. So the idea is maybe that crazy is a minority of one that has one really good idea. Let's hear it. Melinda, to her credit, invited by mail 1,151 presidential candidates last year and 64 responded for one-to-one -one debates, not 20 clowns on a stage arguing over sound bites. And she can tell you more about that. Well, I can. We launched the attorney. We unfortunately 
who were unable to get it on TV because uh, simply several different things happened. But what we noticed was that there was a sense of excitement around that with people having the idea that even though they were a minority candidate, even though they were black, even though uh, otherwise we never would have been heard, they were. And they enjoyed that. Uh, and we're going to be doing that again. We've already launched debateturney.com for this year, for 2022. Right now, its focus is cleaning out Congress because it's extremely important that we have, but especially Congress, Bob, because if we can radically change the attitude and commitment of the people going into Congress, there is there are so many different things that we can change about the direction of America in 2022 that it is simply mind-boggling. And others of our shows are also headed in that direction. If people don't know, however, and that is the problem today, they don't understand their own history They don't understand what the Constitution was supposed to limit and what the focus was supposed to be for a representative in Congress. Then how can you expect them to be shocked when you see the insanity, the runaway abuse of power that's now simply going up and up and up every day? So that is another one of the shows. Another show is congressionalclearinghouse.com, and that is a tutorial. What we realized was that if you let people look and see, interact with each other, talk, and follow a narrative that's provided for them on TV, then they can make use of the resources that are made available. They can go into their in, in start groups for their local area, they can ensure that the people who are going to be committed to clearing the house are the ones that are elected. And that's what we need. We need that commitment. Not even that many people when you think about how many you're sitting in Congress. And yes, we are going to be doing uh, the Senate as well, but that will, of course, be a longer project. Part of uh, the genius of Melinda here uh, is recognizing that uh, since the anthrax scare 20 years ago, the only way you can communicate with a Congress critter is by a text box. You cannot upload videos, pictures, graphs, charts, tables. They don't know what's going on. They are so ignorant after 20 years, and their popularity is almost down into single digits, uh, which isn't healthy for those people that are in the Democratic republics. Uh, so you've got a... Uh, problem of offering solutions that may not have anything to do with governmentality. It can be solved in the free market. But the staffers, since Hillary's email problem, don't even have the ability to accept two gigabytes of anything, and they can't use their personal emails anymore to say, well, send it to me, and I'll, I'll, I'll show it to the senator. That doesn't happen. So Congressional Clearinghouse is an interface between the American people and the legislators, because if they don't pay attention, they're going to get blindsided by their own constituents, 
and you have to lie on the, the house.gov or senate.gov site that you're a, a, one of their constituents. But if they're on a fisheries committee or something, you want to talk about fish, well, okay, there's, you're out of luck. Right. So this, this way you, you can make the case and the rest of America can listen and uh, vote the rascals out because there's so many other good solutions that people are proposing. Uh, that's the, the simplest form of this, but we're talking content, kind of like Aaron Russo like to talk about, you know, taxes. Is there any law about the IRS? Uh, we have content in 50 websites set up. You can go to uh, Melinda Pillsbury hyphen Foster on LinkedIn, and under her smiling face, there is a fitness tasks and task teams to create interactive television and there's like 20 pages of some major thinking by a lot of media companies there and then there's a list of the 50 websites so there's something there for everybody charity champions the artist vision to you know financial action news networks you name it we're going to be doing a lot of content that replaces a lot of the systems that depend on force like rigid installment payments if you don't uh, pay for your lockstep uh, house payment for 30 years as if nothing bad is ever going to happen to you. A sheriff shows up at your door ultimately. Uh, the idea of uh, alternative content would be percentage as you earn finance or mutual medical finance insurance paid as a percentage of your income in the free market for all people. So you create a popular demand stampede away from those systems that require government bailouts of banks that fail because people just sometimes can't pay their house payments or uh, cars are repossessed. Well, all of the show formats that we're dealing with that are, say, economic, uh, which is just part of it, uh, mm -hmm. deal with the audience asking questions, making comments. You engage the audience in their understanding and then they can put their money where their mouth is or sign up on a waiting this, list or volunteer. This has the effect of empowering individual Americans. And there are millions, literally millions and millions of individual Americans now looking for a way that they can assert their power and take back control of their lives and of, the, of our direction. And what we do, we aren't, we're providing the tools. But what we're doing is giving Americans the opportunity to take that power back and in a way that's nonviolent, but that will, in this way, actually create a sustainable, and, a sustainable economy and give America back its, what is really its founding heritage, which is an economic system which takes into account the erratic nature of our lives. Things happen to good people. Things happen to all of us in life. And we shouldn't always be at the, at the, at the, the mercy of simple things that are certainly could happen to anyone. So that's percentage as you earn. There's a lot more to be said about it. If you go take a look at the website, uh, payhome.org, what you're going to see is almost every major economist looked at this and said, that's the answer. That's the answer, including Milton Friedman, who brought dialogue with on this subject for 30 years. So, P-A-Y-E, 
home.org slash experts if you want to see Uncle Milty uh, and me, uh, among uh, some of the most famous libertarian and conservative economists, but there's also people like Vernon Jordan, who is the head of the United States College Fund, and others who are very interested and endorse this. Uh, we have uh, every listener in your audience right now says, well, gee, that sounds really cool. I've got my own thing. How do I do this? Well, Sitna is a 501c3 whose purpose is to educate one-way TV propaganda producers into two-way, uh, listen to everybody producers, along with the gaming technologies and the social media. And as you say, clunky, our, our cybersecurity uh, chiefs, uh, uh, Patricio Ankel of cybersecurity-a-team.com, if you want to look him over, uh, he is trying to integrate these systems. Uh, his development team is working on an iVoter system with a receipt because on television, we want to use this kind of voting concept 24-7-365, not just once every two years. So hackers can get into anything, whether they're you know, left, right, populist, whatever. That's not the issue. The issue is to have them not get in and change tallies, not have them get in and steal your money. But we need a very good thing where we're dealing with donations, crowdfunding, buying stuff, boycotts, boycotts. Uh, volunteers, uh, investments, uh, human investments in, in what people need and want. Uh, all of these things require a secure system. So we're already ahead of 88 government contractors for public elections by creating a voter ID system, if you will, uh, that's easy, no must, no fuss, and it shuts down all portals on your smartphone. We have Smartphones on TV technology, 120 patents, one of our allies. Uh, look it up, thevcc.tv. That's T-H-E-V-C-C.tv. And you have seven smartphones on the screen. Uh, people can be guests on your show. Visually, they can show you something, a pollution coming out of a smokestack or, you know, what's going on behind them. Uh, they also, then there's seven million people. You've been on talk radio, right? Uh, there's 7 million people want to call in. All they get is buzz, buzz, buzz. You know. So all of that energy is wasted. What we do is we channel it into websites and phone apps. Uh, well, I can tell you about one of the cool phone apps we've got that deals with pollution liability in the free market uh, called Eco Emergency Alert Phone App. But that's one example of many of how you'd integrate a pollution and weather television show, the phone app is seeable <clears throat> to your own address or zip code, or you can draw a river and see all the polluters, how much pollution they're putting into it. What the pollution is, what it's doing, what that liability should be assessed on these people for the damage that they have done, which is enormous. Fire dangers, whatever, all kinds of oh my gosh stuff, as uh, the young people say. And uh, we're old dogs that learn new tricks. And uh, young people are very much a part of this. A lot of their interesting content ideas, like we've got colossal water bombers and an aerospace firm just committed publicly they want to build. And the kids thought up a canister-based uh, system of click-on, click-off, and pre-filled water canister off of Burt Rutan's uh, Spaceship One. And uh, so we've been pushing these forward, and reinsurance companies are really disgusted in California alone. They have to shell out $125 billion every year for wildfires. 
uh, $125 billion will build an entire fleet of these colossal water bombers, not only for America but for the world, and uh, they can put stuff out pretty quick. So you don't have those losses, and you begin to ignore the fire agencies and the government agencies that pretend to do a job and don't. They let these water bombers from World War II age out 20 years ago and never replaced them. And they continue to, on the ground, uh, try to fight it with little 500-gallon tankers or, or a helicopter with 500 gallons. These colossal water bombers uh, are bigger than a 747 in their capacity, which handles 19,500 gallons, but these handle more than that, almost twice that. So the, these are real solutions for real problems in the free market. Notice no governmentality here. No us-versus-them politics. These are real solutions by real people, and when the wisdom of the audience comes forward and say, well, yeah, but you forgot about this and that, you can improve whatever it is you're talking about and go from there. And then people, again, will put money into developing a research, development, prototypes, and then finally whole fleets. Uh, so this is, this is what we're setting up, and Sitton has created the iMastery program, kind of a funny story behind this, uh, it stands for Interactive Media Arts and Sciences Training, Education, and Retirement for You. 97% of the people in the entertainment industry are gig workers, always have been and probably always will be. They go from project to project. So they have a very erratic income. So we stuck our nose into the recent SAG-AFTRA health plan thing with our percentages you earn uh, medical finance and said, all of your legal hassles over this rigid installment stuff are telling old people who are 85 years old they got to earn at least $25,000 a year uh, doesn't wash. <laughs> all of that's irrelevant. It rides with the tide, goes with the flow, boom and bust, trickle and gush. And then Ed Asner recently died on us. Now, this guy's a socialist, but he wants all people to have medical care, and he doesn't care how they get it if it's the free market or anything. So we're, we're dealing with people who care about people from the left and people on the right who care about free enterprise. And our thinking predates even the U.S. Constitution to understand how America was built and immigrants got here with percentages you earn finance, 7% of their income for seven years paid for an expensive passage across the ocean. It paid for tools. It paid for a grub stick. You didn't starve to death like the first pilgrims. They got smart. And they wiped out indentured servitude of 100% labor indentures or people who were wards of the state or slaves. All of that is ridiculous. The 1617 project and the, uh, the populist uh, 1776 thing focused on religion. Neither one of those has a focus on what really happened in American history. So if you go to payhome.org or housingtheamericandream.com or health portal home, H-O-M-E dot uh, com. All of these are about TV shows that advertising firms will be looking at, and they will be capitalizing a show at roughly, for 91-hour shows, would be $3.8 million. bucks. Now, the, as they say in the biz, production breakdown for that is 900000 goes for your early satellite, cable, and streaming reservations, in our case, streaming to and from devices. Um, you have about $600,000 for your video production and $1.4 million for all of the interactivity, data centers, computer graphics, uh, all of that, and then another $900,000 to market your show 
before and during your run. And if your audience likes what you have to say uh, with the, the second baseman on a baseball team supporting the Red Cross because they're on Charity Champions uh, Sports Network, then they'll put their money where their mouth is. you got a hit show. Uh, you're on for another quarter. That's the way television works. Nothing happens in television yes. without advertising. Now, this is one of the, the points. Now, this is how television works. How television doesn't work is how people think it works. You don't have to have a lot of money to start a TV show. In television, nobody puts in a penny. They may have a synopsis on a piece of paper, and then they go to the advertisers and they sell the ad. And that could cost, you know, nothing if you do it yourself, but it could cost $100,000 if you pay people to do it. But when you're finished with that process, you have um, three point, almost $4 million dollars it takes care of the entire production of the show for 90 days, one hour a day. So when people think that we had presidential candidates telling us they couldn't afford that, we told them it isn't a problem because Americans, for one thing, they're generous. And the one, this goes to one of the reasons that we have designed the debates for congressional candidates the way we have. Everybody remembers Joe the plumber. All of a sudden, in one day, he was famous. Why? Because he was on television. It wasn't interactive. It was one-way passive. But he spoke something that people wanted to hear. And our debates between the congressional candidates can't be stopped because the incumbent is unwilling to debate. The candidates will debate across lines, but they'll be on interactive TV. And you're going to be hearing solutions that you want, and we already know this happens, people are going to be donated to that candidate across lines, across the entire country. They're going to be putting money into his pocket or her pocket so that that is a candidate who can be elected. Yeah, so if you're Joe the plumber out there and you want to talk about uh, – the, the history of Watergate or, <laughs> or pipes or, or have convention TV where you go from booth to booth to booth in a plumber's convention, whatever your thing is, uh, the, the iMastery Institute program will either deal with internships or show you how to do it. Uh, and the $100,000 worth of phone calls, basically, used to be you had to get on planes and pitch ad agencies in front of them, but uh, ad agencies, there's about 15,500. 20% of them are totally independent. Uh, most people don't know this, but women are the CEOs or owners of uh, 55% of the ad agencies. So Melinda Wisely here is our debut network is, is women leading interactive TV network. And we have shows that will be rolling out that will be very exciting for women because women are the ones, and if you were ever an active Republican way back in the day, you know that Federated Women was the power organization that had over a million members. And those were the people who walked the walk the precincts, they're the ones that passed out the literature, they're the ones that funded the campaign headquarters for candidates. And they are the ones, I have to tell you that this is bad fact, a lot of those women walked out of the Republican Party because 
when, when the ERA came out of the Republican platform, and that was taken out by Ronald Reagan over the begging and pleading of his daughter, Maureen. I knew a lot of those women because I was a, a, I've been an active Republican. I had been a member of Federated Women, but also uh, I had known women who were there when that happened, and they walked. And we, can, and we can get those women to walk back the other way because we can give them what it is they actually want. They're not socialists. They understand the need for, for individual action and the free market. But they have to have a way to accomplishment, and if they're accomplished, and if they are frustrated long enough, they're going to go looking for something, anything that will work. And the point of what we're doing is it puts the power in an individual's hand to see what they personally can do. I don't know how many of you were really involved in Ron Paul revolution which had nothing to do with Ron Paul. The guy that started it was er Ernie Hancock, who was a libertarian, very frustrated because Ron had decided he was going to declare for president in in 2007. And he went to one big event in New Hampshire, raised $10,000 and went home to Texas. And Ernie said, that's not happening. And he took two months off of his life and put up those those billboards all the way across America. And it was like somebody turned on a light. All of a sudden, people were excited. They were going to do something about it. Another man, and his name was actually, it was actually Eric Nordstrom who came up with the idea of a money bomb. And they said, there's no reason we can't do this. He was a programmer and he did the programming. And the day that it hit and you watched those numbers go up and up and up and up and up and up, it was, it was simply amazing. You turned on the hope for America, and it happened in our movement. And I was there. I was watching. I was online every day. And we were working. We had people who, they, this is what they did professionally. They did graphics. And they did the graphics for anybody who was supporting Ron Paul, which is why it looked so good. It was amazing. It was a cooperative festival. And, um, of course, it didn't turn out the way any of us wanted, but what it gave us that we needed was the knowledge that if we could come together in some way, we could enact real change. So today we have, or can propaganda one-way TV has two ways to make money, which is, a part of the profits from what the ad agencies hand you, and then you get some money for residuals later. With two-way interactive TV or ITV, uh, you have six more income streams. And that, as I mentioned, includes everything from donations to buying stuff and so forth. And then further than that, uh, Melinda and I attached an idea for crypto coupons. And that rewards the audience for giving tips to an investigative reporter asking uh, a question and they get rewarded more for coming up with a half-baked solution on a topic so that then they can redeem these crypto coupons at the network different sponsors online and brick stores uh, this is uh, essentially we're going to also have metal rounds uh, that 
we'll have thematic things. So if we have heroes of freedom in media, Aaron Russo and so forth would be there. And uh, we would have collect all 52. Or you can spin them on a T-shirt uh, that uh, advertises uh, the underground, uh, or in this case, the satellites over the planet. And low-Earth orbit satellites, if you're you know, ticked off on education, I have a background in distant learning education. One of our allies, uh, Michael Williams, has been programming the worldmentoringacademy.com. And uh, he's become, during COVID, a one-stop shopping center for 840 distant learning kindergarten through PhD programs. Uh, before he started with, you pay 25 bucks and he'll match you up somewhere in the world with somebody who'll teach you how to run a, a telescope's motor drive in English if you happen to speak English, you know. And, uh, and then, so a global sphere diploma television network, global individualism here is two-way, you know, homework has to be turned in, the teacher says well, you did this wrong and rewrite it, you know, that's two-way. So the low Earth orbit satellites that are being kicked up by OneWeb uh, over India and with some British and Indian money, unfortunately some government, they're burning to $100 million a month. Uh, but they kept their promise. They got the satellites up there. Elon Musk stealing, you know, 700 or so million dollars in his enterprises from taxpayers, visionary that he is. He just picked up his second batch uh, this past week. Uh, and it to about showing up there, uh, where there are side links. If you wish to communicate, it goes from satellite to satellite to satellite. Every one of these satellites is in motion simultaneously. They will crash in about three years. They're little tiny cube things about the size of red box. And they have the ability to last. The ideas of teenagers saying, you know, I, I want to learn from Joe Schmo in, in Fuzzyland. Well, you can do that. We have interest in an Africa America's channel right now, picking up momentum. Uh, Africans uh, wound up in every from Argentina, Mexico to Canada. So it's like, who are you and where do we come from in genealogy? And if you're into Dr. Louis P. Gates or Kareem Abdul genealogy is a huge interest for people now. And we will definitely be having some of those, um, especially Roots Magic and others who sponsor these shows because they help people engage. Because one of the things that what you need, we need to keep in mind is people need to learn how these technologies can, can work for them. Um, dashboard that they, they use themselves that uh, from their computer, all of a sudden they have this access to information and, and doing things that are positive and creating change both for themselves individually and together working with other people in their community, in their state, and in the nation. That's what we're talking about. We're talking about not us doing it, but un unchaining Americans so they can do it themselves. For instance, uh, it, we have a concept uh, called Take It to the People as a Network, and it would have teachers on it like women of the jury. Now, this jury isn't just 12, but, you know, 120,000. Yeah, I have I've got a million. great <laughs> women that, you know, Women of the Jury, uh, it came to existence as a show because I was a member of the ERA Campaign Network, and one of our members 
received in the mail a, a jury summons. And she said, I don't have equal rights, and I'm not going to go. And so she went in, and she said, I don't have equal rights, and I'm not going to serve on a jury. And the judge looked at her rather swamaxed, and he said, well, I'm going to have to take this under advisement. And he did, and it went up several levels, and they said, just tell her that she doesn't have to do it if she doesn't want to. And that is where you are. Um, there, are a, there are a lot of women across the country, this is going to be a TV show, that demonstrates how a person taking action at the local level can energize people all across the country into just saying no to tyranny. You aim a smartphone at it, and what's local becomes nationwide and global. And then people phone vote on it. Well, maybe she should, you know, serve on the jury because we don't have, want to have no women on juries, you know. So, well, what do you do and what do you say? Well, you can do like what William Penn did many years ago is the jury simply refuses to enforce the law and jury nullification. And there's a lot of people in your audience who are into really legalistic strategies I said, well, why not put your money where your mouth is and do a historical reenactment uh, miniseries movie about William Penn and how this freedom came to be, or, or uh, the Zanger case in, in the 1700s on libel and slander. Well, if it's true and the governor is a crook, well, you know, you can't be thrown in jail, you know, throw the governor. Or do the Credit River case. Now, that's one that's more recent, because that's in the 1960s. And he walked into court. Uh, they had foreclosed on his home, and he walked out with his house. But they never appealed it, understand, because they knew if they appealed it, then it would be citable. And that's another thing. When people can put together all these pieces of what they know, but we don't, know, but other people don't know, that gives us an incredible increase in power because then we can cite it, and that again is one of the benefits of this kind of interactive cooperation. Being interactive, um, we've been yakking here. Do you have some questions for us? And I, we didn't know how long the program was going to be, so we were trying to spit it all out there. You know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, no problem, uh, Melinda. Um, and bo- both of you, you, you remind us, or me, uh, of a presenter that we had from uh, – the South Bend uh, area of, of Indiana. He, he runs a concept called OneVoiceNow.org. David Frank. Uh, the idea is interactive TV or watch issues on local issues channel and vote by the phone. Um, and it's a simple concept, but you know where you actually empower democracy into the hands of people using the medium of, of, a, of a television type channel. Uh, learning about local issues and then voting on them locally. Well, yes, but let me add something. Because when you're watching that TV show, you have a dashboard. You're commenting, and everybody in that audience can see the comments you're making. People can call for a tally. Wait a minute. We need to vote on this. And all of a sudden you see, you know, how many people want to vote on We want to vote. We want to vote. And then you can see what people think of that idea. For our next best half-baked idea, three So there's a idea. dynamic immediacy of it that you don't get in other venues. In long-term online. So after the particular program is off-air, off-satellite. Or it's cable, still on because it's still, it's on, still on, on, on the website and on the groups that are forming around those ideas to take action. 
you know, both, uh, well, everybody out there knows that if you look at major one-way propaganda TV, they never let you phone vote on anything except who can sing the best, who can dance the best, and perhaps some sports shows. Issues of real solutions, anything that really matters, no, they just want to tell the audience. Five years ago, both Fox and CNN killed off their threads of, you know, people commenting. And it got so ridiculous after five years, they just recently started again. But it makes the, the propagandists very uncomfortable. So then they got into this censorship mode, and they've been helped with uh, Zuck and a few other folks out in Silicon Valley that we intend to take down by competing with them. We are not for government diversity of opinion commissions elected by whatever the Republican or Democrat is. Uh, like the, the governor of Florida and uh, Texas are doing, uh, we are not for libertarians starting their America, uh, uh, our America initiative to force their way by lawyers onto a private organization called Demo Publicans Commission for Presidential Debates. All of the money wasted on those stupid lawyers, of which we have too, far too many, could be actually capitalizing a libertarian, uh, conservative, a patriot, uh, you name the type of network, uh, literally uh, 20 years ago. Where would we be now if all of the people that were so into politics and so into lawyers and so into print media would just get off the dime, stop paying the lawyers, and, and learn how to use a microphone like you all are? I mean, this is, it, it isn't rocket science except to get the satellites up there. But by and large, if you look at, like, when Musk has a problem, he couldn't get NASA or anybody else with him. He went to Gary Hudson and Freeman Dyson of the Space Sciences Institute, who started the Commercial Aerospace Newsletter back in 1972 when I first subscribed to it as a kid. And guess what? They figured out in three months how to have his boosters land without smashing up on either land or sea uh, platforms. Uh, the and it's okay. Let's help this guy. You know, so a lot of volitional scientists are willing to help social scientists if they're kind of blundering in the direction of freedom. But by what we're doing is we welcome all opinions. There's 51 political parties in America. Did anybody know that 1,551 candidates ran last year? And what the Democrats are 29 percent of the if candidates. If you go to those. The, the graphs and statistics and the names of those candidates are still available. Yeah. So the, the uh, gee, I didn't know that. You know, well, of course you didn't know that because one-way propaganda TV doesn't want you to know that. But we have guerrilla portable data centers going up all across America with one of our allies. We have a signed MOU statement. They're going to discount for you five, six soft uh, operations on if you're involved in two-way TV – we want to entice you, they say, to play with two-way TV. Why? Because they believe that two-way television is going to be bigger than all of the calculation for the Internet of Things for smart toasters or uh, perhaps uh, cryptocurrency mining. Okay, They're looking at Fitna as the goose that's going to lay all the golden That's why we're talking to you, <laughs> newsflash, uh, that can actually activate this. 
So coming from your perspective and hearing what you're hearing and knowing what you already know about media, yeah, there's a few billionaires out there. Uh, we're talking to uh, one guy on a, a, a freedom-oriented uh, news network because he's been whining for 15 years that MSNBC builds him up and then smacks him down. Uh, that's Patrick Byrne. He's got, uh, he just put $250 million into a digital signature marketplace for real estate stocks and bonds. But guess what? He's still being subjected to liberal media's point of view all the time, and they're crooks that hype and short stuff, short sell stuff. So he hasn't solved his own problems. I said, Patrick, stop whining, please, you know, be a man, and uh, do your thing. Or as Melinda would say, be a woman to her women-leading interactive TV audience. This has got to stop that you just keep thinking that you've got to keep reacting to every government initiative of the left and every government initiative of the right. Let me give you an example. This is not political, but this is one of the shows that will be launching, and it's called Your Phone Company. And uh, I know very few people who are happy with their phone company or their cable company because they're too big. They don't do a good job of actually serving their, their clients, uh, but basically what they're interested in doing is simply uh, getting as much money as possible for as little that they do as possible. And it, um, it was our own experience, mine and Brock's separately, with phone companies that maybe say one day, this has got to be a really great TV show because people can put up what happened to them they can see, start to see the patterns of what happened. They can see these companies doing exactly the same thing. None of them are any different. They all do the same thing. And they all externalize their costs by forcing their, the people, their customers, to bear the cost of the fact that they can't, they don't, can't control uh, the, the process of ensuring that their customers get what they have already paid for. And we know, because we did a survey, how happy are you with your phone company? That was very enlightening. Nobody is happy with it. So how would, how would you like to have a phone company that does this and this and this and this? Oh, my gosh, how could we do that? Well, and we laid out a little, um, you know, a series of steps that could be taken for them to do that, which includes doing the interaction, comparing the notes, getting the statistics, putting them together, and then taking the um, the, tele- the telephone companies to small claims court for, for time and losses. Because let me tell you, you have to go into a small claims court, you have to show up yourself, and the president of AT&T is not going to want to show up to do that, uh, not a bit. And so they're going to start paying off those claims. But the other thing, the next thing, is now that you're aware, let's talk about another way we could handle this issue. Um, by allowing people to have a phone mutual. And that's what, there's no reason that they couldn't do that. So Brock is now, you know, obviously wants to say something, so I'm going to let her. Um, I am permitted. Uh, the, she, she's the head honcho here. Uh, the idea of 
anybody has, say, a complaint about the phone company. They, they have, we used to have phone books. See, some of us are old enough to remember what a phone book is. Paper. In a, a corporate directory, you could look up the department and the programmer or whatever that could solve the problem. That person would say, well, that'll take six weeks to solve that problem on our phone tree that seems to be sending you into Never Never Land in great frustration. Uh, so they let the customer service person and the customer know that the problem will be solved in six weeks and what they can do about it in between. That was the good old days. But, and, and that was when the bills, I helped break up the bills. Was, as a young man, I was proud of that with MCI and some other folks. Uh, and the idea was that competition would cause a moribund monopoly. In fact, phone voter television wouldn't have existed if, during the January uh, 20, I guess it was, um, uh, State of the Union address by George Herbert Walker Bush, uh, CBS had paid AT&T for 300,000 phone votes on a good old touchstone phone, press one if you agree, press two if you disagree with the guy. And they got 29 million calls, uh, about a million got through, 7 million went buzz, 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 and about another 17 or so million went crashed seven phone companies in the Midwest. And uh, an AT&T said to CBS, you lost a lot of money. Said, no, we only contracted for 300,000 calls. We got those. We can't help it if your stupid routers are so archaic, you can't pay attention to the invention of television and the kind of demand it creates on your phone routers. Get your act together. Well, the same message is today for advocates of freedom. Uh, Gee, there's a lot of people that are interested in freedom, and there would be more if you could reach them. So reach out and touch someone, okay? So in doing that, um, there's a way to do customer satisfaction. We're embarrassed to have phone companies or cable companies or Internet companies while we're doing interactive TV to be associated with us, like we kind of keep them at arm's distance, you know. But if they got their act together by interactive TV solving their problem so that 6 million people don't keep having the same problem for five years until some senior vice president says, well, why didn't you guys in the front line tell me? You know, this is every single problem in America can be addressed this way, not to mention the world. And we've got people overseas now contacting us uh, who are producers in Senegal, uh, Austrian economists in Austria, no kidding, uh, you know, all sorts of people saying, you know, you've got content you've been working hard as examples to show how the wires all go together. So now if you're not into wires, that's okay, and you have some issues that you're into, by all means, contact us. Uh, it's freedomtvnetworks.com uh, with an S, networks, uh, plural. And uh, we have a whole host of things there, as I mentioned, on the FITNA uh, list. Uh, and there's some very interesting statistics that will wise people up as to uh, there's like 1,548 direct line of sight, 25 megabits per second Wi-Fi companies in America. That's how people are getting their television, how people are working, working their smartphones off of cell towers in rural America. But there's big swaths of it. So the government politicians say, well, let's close the digital divide here and throw billions of dollars at this. And the, the big monopoly phone companies dig that. We don't. We have different solutions dealing with community by community and strengthening up everybody so that there's no central control. Not far from us is a billion-dollar NSA spying on America's data center. 
in Atlanta. They just built one. There's, of course, several in D.C. and a few on some other trunk lines. So, hey, General Lacassoni, if you're out there, U.S. Cyber Command or the National Security Agency you've been running, we don't need your help. Kindly thank you. Right. And what we're talking about is out-competing the mainstream media and driving them out of business with two-way interactive. And we are confident we can do it. And everybody that we have met in the tech industries that are related to this is very confident we can do it. Satellite Uplinker is building a new data center and satellite teleport not far from us. Uh, we have one of the reasons we're in Utah. Yeah, the the uh, the National Association of Broadcasters convention is seven convention halls full of media people, and even during COVID, you know, people are communicating with one another, and. All of these businesses, it went, if you look at the Google or Facebook uh, giant booths, I mean, they must have paid 100000 bucks just for the carpet space. Nobody's going to them. I ask people, well, why aren't you going to them? Well, they're for censorship. I'm not for censorship. They're a bunch of jerks, you know, that may be as sophisticated as their philosophy of grits, but, you know, they're cool. And they say, well, what do you do? And I tell them about Freedom Interactive Television, and we welcome all opinions. And they go, ah, where do I sign up? So we're getting a lot of discounts, uh, two-thirds off streaming uh, by the companies that will bring you race car video at high res uh, on a satellite that's 36 megahertz uh, uh, as opposed to a talk show, which should, talking head might be, you know, 10. They'll do that for a half an hour or an hour show for you at two-thirds off. Give you an example. Um, uh, Hewlett Packard has a trivia quiz that takes about 10 minutes to play. 1.5 million people a month play it. Hewlett Packard pays them a dime for each thing. They say for that same dime, we will offer your producers, your production crews, your social media people, your gamers, the same dime for a whole hour. Gaming is a huge industry. And what we're talking about here is putting gaming together with social media and and real two-way television. That's what you create. And that is, think of it as the delivery system for freedom, because that's how you deliver. And feedback to fine-tune it. That's right. Now, now um, I was asked a question earlier um, by Fred about my grandfather. And I have to say that one of the things that really inform my, you know, my motion toward freedom and, and government power was that story. And Fred had, was enormously helpful to me by delivering a letter. Uh, he delivered that letter to the Ansel Adams studio in Yosemite. And it's a long story, but my dad, before he died, asked me to take care of ensuring that his father's legacy was renewed. And I'm going to ask you a question, and I want you to answer it. Have you ever seen the centennial for the first nature movie ever made? If you're interested in the environment, that's something that you might have seen, right? Ever seen it? Heard about it? No? The first nature movie, I had something to do with your grandfather, I think, is what you're leading it to. Did. <laughs> it did. He did it in 1909 and showed it in the studio in Yosemite. Oh, wow. 1909. Now, let me tell you. In 1909, I sent out a news release. I sent it out nationally 
I sent it to all the major papers. I sent it to all of the environmental groups that I had contact information for. And and I asked, and what it was was the simple announcement that he had done that nature movie. He had shown it. And um, and the, the National Park Service, not in Yosemite and not any place else, acknowledged that that had happened, even though they knew perfectly well that it had. Because one of the reasons the National Park Service came into existence was because a man named Stephen Mather, at some point, um, probably from 1910 until probably 1914, saw that nature movie. And he wanted, he'd already made a, a fortune for himself by ripping off, uh, basically stealing a company that was, you know it today as 20 Mule Team Borax. Then it had, it was um, South, it was, um, I think, Southern Pacific Borax. But he had stolen the clientele and instead directed the, the clientele buying Borax from the one company, and he and a partner who also had been fired by the owner of the 20 Mule Team Borax, um, um, Francis Marion Smith, and they were able to steal his clients and basically drive them into bankruptcy. And that's where their money came from. But now it was 19, you know, 1910, 1911, and he was looking for something else to do. That's Stephen Mather. You know him as the first director of the National Park Service. But the National Park Service didn't exist then. But he wanted it to because he saw how he could make an enormous profit by owning all of the concessions in all of the national parks, which would then be under his control. Yes, and timber and lumbering and handing and trading off packets of uh, parcels, all of that. And he saw my grandfather's uh, movie and said, uh, you need to go to Washington, D.C., and uh, I'll make you the official photographer for Yosemite. You show it to the National Press Club in Washington, D.C., and my grandfather did. Um, by the time it was, by 1919, my grandfather's film, which also included the first lap-time motion pictures of plants growing, that were going through their entire life cycle, um, he'd done that in 1912, stopped in the, uh, the, the service in the park at that point. They were mowing the meadows in Yosemite and in all of the other national parks to create fodder for their horses. And he stopped that in one day. He showed that film at the, the conference of all of the superintendents that year, which took place in Yosemite. And they said, oh, and they stopped. They put it on the blank. They said, no, we're not going to do that anymore. And that's how fast the learning curve can be. Um, I didn't really understand my grandfather when dad asked me to take care of the problem that Fred helped me with, but I'm a long way toward that now. And one of the shows that we're going to have on interactive television is going to be what do we, the American people, want to do with the national parks? How are we going to preserve them? How are we going to make that happen? And there's a website up. It's actually an adjunct to the one I do about, I have on my grandfather, and that's acpillsburyfoundation.com. 
What's fascinating to those people in the audience say, oh, that sounds all great, but man, the powers that be, they're going to come down on you with both feet. They're going to create more obstacles. Let me tell you, the powers powers that be are scared of me in the National Park Service. They they sent a couple people, um, you know, that they have a Facebook site. And, you know, there are certain things you're not allowed to say, but all of a sudden, because I'm there and because I created the presence for myself, there and for my grandfather, they're going, oh, wow, I didn't know that. Why didn't we know that? <laughs> Why didn't I know this? Why didn't I know that? As a media guy who studied in great detail the history of technology and media, I'd never heard of A.C. Pillsbury. And you look at his list of inventions in motion pictures and cameras from the panoramic camera that everybody uses on their smartphone today. He did the first uh, servo-mechanical one. Um, uh, pictures from uh, the Great White Fleet and, and the San Francisco earthquake and fire. Uh, those went worldwide on the facsimile machines that he fixed the patents on that didn't work to make them work. So his pictures went worldwide, got some money, and went to Yosemite. Well, in this tussle between preservationists like A.C. Pillsbury along with John Muir versus the conservationists that wanted to uh, exploit, not not versus Muir, versus um, Stephen Mather and the exploiters, meaning conservationists, like, we'll save it for the future, which means tomorrow as they give away half of Yosemite to San Francisco's real estate uh, power and water interests. whether it's grazing, timbering, lumber, all of the corruption, whether it's LBJ's urban renewal, wiping out half the poor people in an inner city, moving half of them out to Ferguson, Missouri, or the suburbs of Baltimore, where after a generation or two, they finally riot because they don't want to be welfare recipients anymore. Uh, where the other half are some middle-class houses and businesses, and maybe you know half of them are for low income. So we got into issues, both of us independently, whether it's nature or quality of living. Jack Kemp, I worked with starting in 88, uh, and he heard about percentages were in financing. So he tried to privatize all of the um, uh, government projects to people for 7% of their income for seven years or a house was 17 years for, uh, for 15% of your income. And uh, none of the Republican or Democratic cross people in the taxpayer's trough with Letty. So when he, um, in the year 2000, became the chair of Habitat for Humanity, uh, he said, Brock, can I use your percentage as you're in research? I said, yeah, sure, it's a good cause. In one year, he raised $596 million in donated capital, not commercial real estate capital. He could do that, too, but just in donated capital. And then he would finance a fixer-upper or, or buy a place and say, okay, now you owe us back. So the people now have a roof over their heads. They can get a shower. They can get employed. Uh, places, even governments recognize that if you stick a roof over somebody's head, you've eliminated 91% of the social costs of pneumonia and emergency rooms and all kinds of other things happening, uh, taking showers with somebody's hose in a, in a neighborhood and getting shot. You know, whatever it is that's out there, you solve this. Well, going back to A.C. Pillsbury, he was turned into a non-person. This is a guy whose films worldwide, Pathé, Universal, Paramount, were distributed worldwide. He was on lecture circuits with Clarence Darrow and Amelia Earhart. Nothing, nada, zip. Very carefully done. 
when I did phone voter TV in 92, I, it was an experiment with an amazing amount of satellite time. Uh, but they, the powers that be of the Bush Co. and the Bilderbergers, uh, Etienne Davignon, they didn't like it. So they bought out my uplinker. It was only worth $10 million for $100 million. And then they found out they couldn't stop me because I didn't have a contract with them. So in, in dealing with a wide audience, not just me as one producer, but hundreds and thousands of producers over several networks, we can displace all of the one-way TV networks pretty quick. Yes, right. One of the things we're doing is reaching out to the entertainment industry about exactly doing exactly that because they have their own ideas about shows. One other one of the shows that we absolutely want to see produced and that you know we're in pre-production for now is Stop Trafficking, and that's about stopping human trafficking. I don't know if any of you remember America's Most Wanted, but that ran for 25 years. It was one way that they didn't let people call in, not on the show, but they could give tips about seeing people, seeing these people that they were, you know, trying to run down. And it was more effective than law enforcement was. It was thought out by an anarcho-capitalist named Robert Lefebvre, who some of you might remember from the 60s and 70s with Freedom Newspapers before the Chinese communists took it apart uh, in a little deal with Blackstone Equity. But the idea was is that um, you're looking at people who try to turn you or anybody else, and that's why you say you're part of an underground. Well, good, you are. Now, let's rise up from the caves, grab the satellites, the high ground, and win. Uh, rally around fitting the boys and girls. And uh, when, when Melinda has a, a show concept here, we find it's kind of humorous, but when we kick it out on trials with people, like she has a show called Social Insecurity. There are, when you explain in simple words to people, that there are 97 trillion, with a T, dollars worth of IOUs the U.S. Treasury has, where they loaned this money to every government agency you can think of, and they've never paid it back in 83 years. You say, oh, well, gee, the government agencies ought to pay that back. Well, then you have to make another law that says your budgets can't go up. You've got to take it out of your existing budget for umpteen years until you pay it back. You know. So the audience can come up with brilliant ideas on, on gaps that you haven't thought of. So you don't have to be a general all by yourself. You can get a whole army of privates on the front line trenches telling you, hey, boss, uh, you missed the point here. Uh, and then you say, oh, well, well, Social Security has a percentage of income charging system. Medicare has a percentage of income charging system. That's why these people put up with these taxes. And then it's rationed out with the socialist needs analysis instead of getting people what they want as well as what they need by their own choice. I'm a guy may not need contraception. You know, somebody else might. Okay, well, uh, if I'm a young person and I believe I'm immortal and I ride on a motorcycle without a helmet and then I have an accident, well, the price might be, you know, uh, 12% of your income for seven years to get you through seven years of rehab. But if you'd been paying the the percentages you were in fine insurance before you got on the motorcycle and in the accident, it might have been 9%. So there's the way that the free market can adjust with time and percentages on anything, we literally have the objective of replacing every rigid installment payment contract in America because every single downturn, the government steps in, bails out the banks and the insurance companies 
because of this insane system that the British House of Lords and Isaac Singer, who brought it to America to sell a sewing machine in 12 easy payments, got used for houses and cars and humongous That actually things. happened about the time the Federal Reserve was uh, uh, chartered. The, uh, it grew and grew, and then their purpose was they'd steal a little bit more every downturn. Well, guess what? If they loan out 80 cent dollars, uh, or they, they get 80 cent dollars from the Federal Reserve and they loan them out for 100 cents, then that 20% gain on that money allowed them to throw people out of their houses in 2008. And then they were selling U.S. Treasury bonds at $500 million, excuse me, billion dollars a day, and the foreigners bought $41 trillion of stuff. Well, after doing this and diluting the Federal Reserve, uh, thing, the Chinese communists have created the uh, Asian Infrastructure Investment Bank. You look it up, AIIB.org, and it has all of our ex-allies, 64 of them, except for China, the Republic of China, excuse me, and Japan. All of the others went with AIIB as a competitive world currency. It's backed with 70% assets, gold, coal, uranium, a bunch of trade deals in 70 harbors, including the Panama Canal and Guadalupe, Pakistan now. And uh, so in their strategies, they're competing with us. Our living standard should collapse about 20%. The Chinese one will too. They only own 28% of the AIIB now, but after enlisting all of our ex-allies and 209 financial organizations. So we're looking at a collapse that I don't think American freedom can handle one more 10-year bout like the last downturn where government agencies, 27 of them, now own 92% of the mortgages. Up until Biden, it was 65% of medical care, another 48 million poor folks he wants to help out and won't do because they can't afford it with rigid installment payments. But Mr. Sanders' percentage sounds good as a medical Soviet. But needs analysis is not going to get you what you want as well as what you want. It just builds in too many costs. Yeah. Uh, the federal government now has 40% of farm tool and vehicle credit. Uh, it has 95% of higher education. Uh, part of the stuff you didn't read in the Affordable Care Act was they nationalized student loans. Um, but student loans and all this stuff is like $1.2 trillion, credit card debt $1.5 trillion. But housing is way up there at pretty near uh, what you're looking at is almost uh, $200 trillion. The only entities in the world that have that much money are all of the reinsurance companies that back up local insurance companies for regional disasters, earthquakes, and stuff, and they have $470 trillion. So some of our solutions like um, water bombers deal with commercials and images for retail insurance companies that sell fire insurance. For right now, only 25% of Americans have fire insurance that's free market, 25% that's subsidized by government for these rigid installment payments, and 50% are naked when the fires come. So with percentages you earn, you have you can always afford it with whatever your income is from zero to a billion, and you solve a problem, and it'll be on television with advertisers for these kinds of entities but guess what? Our audiences propose they solve. Hey, hey uh, Brock and Melinda, uh, we've got some requests behind the scenes, people who would like to uh, interact with you guys. With some well, questions, great. If you don't Wonderful. mind. <laughs> Sorry. 
Yeah, uh, just star six your phone, anyone, if you'd like to pose uh, a comment or a question for our guests, Melinda and Barack. Anybody out there? We had one behind the scenes. Uh, is Joey out there? I, I, I thought maybe he was, he was he had something there. Yeah, hey, Hello? guys. Uh, yeah, I'm here. Hey. Hi. Hi. Uh, wonderful show, by the way, both of you. Kudos and congrats on all the hard work. I was checking out your website. And um, the title of this tonight's show, How to Compete, How to Outcompete the Six Corporate MSM Mainstream Media TV Networks. I came to the show about a half an hour late. If you already covered that in the first half hour, I'll, I'll skip my first question and jump to my second question. I do think we actually covered it, but we can also send you information that will show you exactly how we're going to do it. Yeah, so get your email to them and they'll bounce it to us, but otherwise you can look at freedomtvnetworks.com or go to LinkedIn and look under Melinda Pillsbury, like the cake mix, hyphen Foster, F-O-S-T-E-R, and underneath her uh, image is a document that says fitness tasks and task teams to create interactive television. And a bunch of companies will tell you all about how non-censorship, non-surveillance, all opinions welcome television actually works with smartphones on TV and all kinds of other cool technologies. And if you wish to be somebody who'd like to host a show, produce a show, uh, hold a light on a show, whatever you want to do, uh, we are happy to train you up on how to do this with our iMastery program. And, um, uh, there's all sorts of ways to learn and, and learn by doing. And it would be Learning by doing is lots of fun. Yeah. So uh, that'll help on that one. Uh, what, what's your second question? Um, well, well, and first, could you repeat the website slowly? Because I've tried to go through it three oh. times now, and I'm missing something. Freedom, F-R-E-E-D-O-M, TV, networks, N-E-T-W-O-R-K-S dot com. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> yeah, with the S. And uh, on that uh, LinkedIn uh, site of Melinda, uh, there are 50 websites of different networks, each with one to about eight shows as an exemplar to an ad agency that you might be very interested in leading. Not following, but leading. But if, whatever you want to do, uh, if, if there's something there that you say, well, I want to talk about this issue every day, well, tell us about that, and we'll help uh, with our, the companies that are offering you massive discounts to get you on satellite, uh, on streaming, other, other things. Uh, we can work that out and show you, so you what can kind of build, ad money you got to get. So you me. can build an audience of, you know, 10, 20, 30 million people. That would be a really good thing to do. Yeah, then you're as big as CBS. Any That's day right. Week, you know. Actually, bigger than that. Uh, it, when with Peacock and um, uh, which is part of the NBC Comcast Universal Combine uh, came on during COVID, they got 16 million viewers in a quarter. They have a, a library of old shows. We could turn a lot of those into interactive. Uh, on Andy Griffith, why does the sheriff not carry a gun? You know, uh, or uh, you can deal with current issues that are of great concern to every American and you. Uh, so whatever it is you want to talk about, uh, we can help arrange that and show you how to get the money. And then the six 
actually eight income streams that come in from two-way TV is distinct from one-way TV that only has two, and how you'll have a much more lasting impact and create a grassroots movement with uh, phone apps and things and dashboards like Melinda was saying. Uh, uh, there's a young kid, uh, uh, he works for Ethereum. His name is uh, Sokolov, and he's been trying to get Americans to wake up. I said, the Chinese got 800 million people on a dashboard. That's the favorite collection of your phone apps, like you might have on an Android or an Apple store phone. Every app you do is kind of this kludge. Well, a dashboard is your favorite. You know. and, and these are things that we are trying to enlist programmers like crazy uh, who wish to have an equity position and own part of the systems that their expertise yeah. can be. Our, our goal is not to become wealthy. Our goal is to be free. Yeah, we're, we're not controllers here. We're trying to create lots of copycats. So we'll give away all of our secrets and all of our allies. Uh, and these are allies that got some backbone and they can't be bought out and they can't be stomped on. In fact, they're bigger than any of this right. media so, combined. Does that whatsoever. answer your question? Um, I didn't ask the second question yet, but that that sounds a little bit like a little bit like the Grateful Dead uh, uh, marketing, uh, if you're familiar with that. So my second question. No, I'm not. Oh yeah, where they give away the best seats in the house for people to record their music because they don't see it as pirating; they see it as marketing, and they right. they give it away. Right? Yeah. So so um, so. These are lost leaders. Yeah, they want to entice you to play. They come out and play. Yeah, come play. Come be free. Right. So, so you mentioned uh, like a really expensive uh, number for satellite distribution, which is so expensive. I'm, I'm a little bit familiar with that. Um, well, what it is what actually. It, it, the satellite time is only about $150 to $1,500, depending on whether it's prime time and you know, roughly how big the audience is. And if you reserve it, you know, weeks, months in advance, it gets real cheap. And if you're getting blocks of it for like a whole network, it's even cheaper. So it's not any one thing. It's dozens and dozens of technologies, all of whom are part of Freedom Interactive Television Networks Association, Inc., to make this possible as sort of, shall we say, one-stop shopping for you. You don't have to learn all this. They know what they're doing. They just want to offer you a discount to go get some advertising money and we can do this, you know, and it'll take you, you know, maybe a quarter of the year and uh, a big phone bill, if you're using it that way, maybe a plane ticket or two, some PowerPoints, and you convince the ad agencies that either have clients already that fit your show on whatever uh, to um, then get new clients that fit your show. They say, oh, well, we want to acquire more clients like, you know, these people in a, on, for a health uh, show or a health food show or a health supplement show or an exercise machine. Because this will help the yeah. really good companies grow as well, and we want that. And the audience will sort out who's the bad guys, who's the good guys, and who's got the best, you know, bicycle machine. But cool. I, I have to also point out that the advertising will also be interactive, which will make it much more effective. We also have entrepreneurial TV, uh, and that will be people creating businesses as you watch, and you'll be able to um, to cooperate and add to that and even become a part of it. And that's exciting to think about. We're going to have shows 
for every age level, from, from lemonade stands on to um, satellites. What's really cool about this, entrepreneurs are only 15% of the population, and they'd like to make more people like them. Overseas in most countries, particularly the poorer ones, 85% of the people are entrepreneurs, women in particular. And what's fun here, as I said, down with a billionaire who, actually he's a sixth billionaire, uh, to eat veggie pizza with him. And uh, he asked me, well, how much would it cost to run a whole interactive TV network without a dime of advertising to give you enough time to ramp up on a bunch of shows, 24-7, 365? I go, roughly about $44 million to $88 million, depending on how many bells and whistles you want. He goes, oh, okay. Well, come back to me with some stuff. So we've been working on, like, the future business leaders of American high school and colleges have 410,000 really good business plans per year. The Kaufman Foundation teaches these kids how to do Canvas business plans on one page after answering everything like, you know, what's your cost per unit. And then there's another organization called DECA that has another, excuse me, FBLA has 435,000 business plans. These guys only have 410,000. So every year, kids are generating stuff and having taught entrepreneurial courses in high school myself years ago uh, when California mandated that students should have personal finance and then they filled the other one with how to start a business. Uh, I learned that I would say out of any 10 business plans, three of them will make a lot of money and uh, really meet a, a need, a service, or cause marketing, which you may be into. So um, in this process, we'll have shows for kids, Lemonade Liberty, uh, Melinda's uh, working on one. We've got this one that's kind of like College Bowl. Uh, got one for high school students. And, and, and think Shark Tank for 24-7, only a, a wonderful girl named Wong uh, at Montgomery High School a ways back uh, thought up the idea, well, why not, it's not a shark, that's so hostile. How about, people call them angels, they're capital angels. Yeah, maybe they want 51% of your business or something, you can keep them at 49. Well, why don't we do uh, angel capital for them? And Melinda says, well, how about green angels? And so the ideation and the concepting here is a lot of fun. So if you want to participate in that, we'll follow your lead and back you up with everything we can. Okay, okay. So what's your second question? That's so cool. Second, second question is, what about an um, internet-based television network? And they're done that. That's yeah. cool. Uh, America's Voice uh, shows up at Freedom Fest, which is run by a uh, domestic uh, operations group guy, uh, Mark Skousen, who I know well. Uh, and uh, I try not to go to his stuff too much. Uh, but the, they show up there, uh, C-SPAN has a book show, and they have had for 30 years a call-in book show to discuss with authors their ideas and whatever their latest book is. Uh, is a lot of this is not new. Uh, an Internet show reaches at best 4% of the audience. I hate to tell you this, but television, even stupid one-way TV, has 70% of the viewers. Now, if you throw a shoe at your screen because you're mad at what, you know, the uh, guy in the show is telling you, well, that's a form of interaction, but it would be much more effective. Nobody if, knows you did it. If however. on the website connected with the TV show and a phone app, because you're a real fan of that show, and you want to like to disagree with it a lot or agree with it or come up with better ideas, then the audience then begins to support you on your thread and put 
money behind your propositions and so forth, or you see a kid with a good idea who wants to sell clean water systems to people in Africa who have no money, but you can finance it by a percentage of income off of their crops, and they have a big hailstorm and it wipes out their crops, but the next year they'll have lots of water in the soil, so you know they're going to make lots of money, but instead of having their water system repossessed and sitting on the parking lot of a bank, it stays where it is, it makes the water, the crops get done, and guess what? You make money, they make money, and so does the kid. Does that answer your question? Uh, no. What, what about the freedom? It, it's not about making money, you said, and I, I'm, I feel the same way. But why not build an Internet-based television network from the ground up with the people, for the people, by the people, and... It includes that. We, believe that we are, but we also have the television, and I'm going to explain to you why that is really important. Let's take a stupid show, but this stupid show had more people interacting and voting than any other show in history, and it was So You Think You Can Dance. 93 million votes were cast in three hours on that Go online. One of the reasons it isn't just about talking about the issue of freedom is because people are interested in everything, which is why instead of limiting ourselves just to the shows that are about really about freedom or getting there, which would be debate turning, uh, recount it. Now we have a whole list. We probably have 20 of those. We also put together shows that other people will be interested in. Because by using the technologies and seeing how powerful they are and helping them be able to make significant changes in their own lives, then you have a much larger segment of the population. Just one I can give you, well, you'll see immediately why this is true. You know and I know that the foreclosures that happened in 2008 are going to be much worse, and they are starting now. But if there's a TV show that shows people how they can refinance their house uh, and have a, a percentage as you earn loan, and that the people deciding they're going to invest in that are putting their money there because they know what's going to happen with hyperinflation, they have the option of putting it in any kind of currency or metal that they want. Now, they don't have to be Republicans or Democrats at all. What, what kind of a show would you be interested in, in seeing on freedom? What aspect of freedom? If it's in orthodontics, collecting garbage, what's your thing? Interactive TV, uh, you know, using television, like you guys were talking about, to, um, to you know, ha- teaching people how to vote with their dollars, teaching people, you know, how to, um, you know, use uh, surveying and polling to create a shift and build the better model and get away from mainstream media by building the better model. Well, yes, but we do all of that online so the entire audience can see it. If I ask you what, what is the best, optimization in engine so people know that your phone number and your website exist, what would your answer be? Well, well unfortunately, it, it may be Google, but that depends on what type of uh-huh. content you have. 
Now let's right? try television would be the biggest tidal wave of getting people interested in your topics. Say if it's a Freedom Interactive Financial Action News Network, which I pitched to Steve Forbes, uh, and, and he's like, ooh, I'm liking this. You know, Mr. Bloomberg is now worth $63 trillion because he connected television to a stock wire, you know. And I says, I got magazines all over the place, and I got Forbes.com since you and uh, a guy named Bill Bell Cole created that for him back in 96 when he was running for president. He says, gee, you know, yeah, I, I could do that, you know. I need to arrange some things so I get more of my corporation back so we can do this. He sold a bunch of it to a couple of Hong Kongers who then tried to sell it to Hainan Airlines, which is a Chinese communist fascist front. And so a bunch of Americans are trying to rescue that. So after he gets his act together on that, we'll, we'll help uh, Steve. But the, he, that's a whole network. It takes 900 producers to create enough content to fill up a network. So that's what we're trying to do. So we'll help you do whatever it is you want to do. If your topic is um, economic freedom or how to become financially independent, you know, some of these shows get really ridiculous. We've contacted 15 gold bug outfits. We, the only guy that's got any content that makes any sense that isn't demonizing young people because they're in debt to socialists, uh, you know, student loans or something, uh, is uh, Anthony Anderson uh, of GSI Exchange, Gold and Silver uh, Exchange. So he... If he's, he makes about you know, five million bucks a, a month, you know, with his staff, and he gets people's independence. So we're explaining to him how we need metal rounds, and Melinda's got a company that can do that. And he said, well, gee, we'd like to, you know, get in on that, you know, kind of thing. So it's like you talk to whatever the, the particular business person is. Uh, if they're an orthodontist that doesn't want to accept government money uh, and he's cash payments only work for some folks but not the poor folks, uh, and he doesn't want to get involved with Medicare or Medicaid, is well, I could use your percentage as your anything, and I can just talk about orthodontia and the nice kind of smiles with different technologies, all paid for by percentages you earn finance or fine insurance. He says, I could do that. I go, you're on. Okay, now make some calls with some ad companies. Uh, there's, a, there's a big secret. So on the Internet, it's called agencyspotter.com. There are 15,500 ad agencies right there categorized in 31 different functions that they do from, you know, augmented reality, virtual reality, to computer graphics, to analytics, you name it. But with us, we're not dealing with analytics or polls of what, you know, 95 million people think. We will have millions of people responding, so it's called actual. So it's not just, well, they clicked on it, but are they interested? You know, the ad agency doesn't know. But if they're, if they're participating and they're engaging, maybe these people are interested in this topic. Uh, yeah, here's, here's our commercial for soap. You know, they don't care what it's about. You know, as long as people are watching it, they sell soap, they'll sell soap. But if you're into cause marketing and you've got something controversial, well, our advertisers that would back that, we can try to connect you and help you on pitches to reach out to those advertisers that would be interested. We have Second Amendment type. And I said, well, why don't you sell muskets as assault rifles? I mean, you know, do something funny here, you know. And, oh, that's a great idea. Yeah. So we, we have fun interacting with people. Yes, Fantastic. we do. We have a lot of fun doing that. Very cool. So Very does cool. that answer your question? 
Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, yeah. You, you, know, you guys are great. Again, I really want to applaud what you've done already and what you're, you're trying to do and how you're going about it. You're doing a great job. Well, contact well, thank you. on freedomtvnetwork.com yeah. in and, touch. And, and, and we'll start a dialogue that way. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It, yeah, Fred can tell you more about me, too. It's, it's Joey, too. We'll, we'll catch up. Yes, absolutely. I'm mean, going to be delighted to hear that's a great friend about you. <laughs> great reference. Do you have another caller with a question? Hi. More questions? Hey, so, Joe. Well, if no one else has a question, I got another question. Oh, cool. Oh, great. What is it? So what have you, you guys uh, spoken about and strategized about when it comes to how you can take the results of the survey? You the people see the survey. It happens instantaneously on TV. Now, if somebody thinks you asked the wrong question, like I learned back in 1992, if you listen to the rewind, on Perot, uh, we rephrased the question to include positive incentives People could help a young scared woman who might be considering abortion to bring it to term and she either adopts it out or keeps it and uh, the audience responded 20% the next week favorably and Perot got crazy popular with women uh, because you ask your question a different way we're not after loaded questions like are you a Trump fan or are you a socialist I mean like gee there's no other choices here you know or are you a Democrat or Republican and you know you're a libertarian or a green or a constitutionalist or you know there's 51 other political parties or are you an independent the majority of people today are independent what does that mean? That's you know? the large party in the U.S. is independent. Yeah, but there's 51 others. And the Republicans only comprise 15% of the population. The Democrats are 29%. So if we do a groundswell of solutions, uh, or as Melinda, you know, if you want to go into a legalistic strategy and you go on congressionalclearinghouse.com, you'll see a mention of gee, how did the Congress get to where they got away from 30,000 people per Congress critter? That was done by a law. It's not constitutional. Right now, we have Congress people representing, you know, almost a million people each. That's not what grassroots, if you want to say democracy or democratic Republican representation was supposed to be about. Now, with virtual technology like we're doing, you can have a Congress of 12,000 people. You still have 100 senators. Uh, but guess what? All of a sudden, you're talking to your Congress senator who's bagging your groceries at your local grocery store. That's okay. a much better model. So there's all sorts of interesting ways that you can both visualize the reenactment. One of our big things is U.S. history. Uh, and we have a Places in Time network uh, that a lot of people into historical sites, docents, locations, reenactors are excited to hear about. And again, you know, a bunch of mountain men and women have to get together with some ad agencies. And there's all sorts of interesting products and services and events that that niche market goes into. But the other thing it does, it creates local commerce. We, uh, we have any number of shows that are intended to help people cooperatively create local commerce that actually brings history alive, alive for them. 
because when you really understand your history, then you have a better sense of where we were and where we are now. And you can have a sense of what the difference is between those two things. And we need to do that as Americans. Yeah, good ideas are everywhere. What I mentioned to uh, this uh, administrator at my university, uh, he was a master sergeant in the National Guard, and he was very interested in how privateers in the American Revolution, uh, there were 792 ocean-crossing American investor-owned privateers. The investors were mostly little old ladies uh, who didn't like subsidized tea monopolies. And so they said, go get them, boys. And they would load up a ship with a lot of people and go capture six British ships. Well, they wound up capturing over 3,100 British Empire vessels, everything George Washington uh, had to fight with, gunpowder, muskets, everything, came off of captured British ships. Uh, the way that this was handled, the crew, the investors got one-third of the prize vessels when they entered a prize. I, I prefer the word volitional science instead of enterprise because it has to do with stealing stuff as opposed to earning it. But anyway, that's a side point. Uh, the idea is that the other two-thirds of the crew had their functions divided into 20. And there was a merit pay thing and the gun crew that could level hull another ship by the use of an ingenious pendulum uh, invention that one of the crew people thought of a guy named Jonathan Harrodin aboard a ship called the Tyrannicide, by the way. Um, he uh, captured himself, uh, geez, must have been two dozen ships. Uh, and the crew, the cabin boys were rewarded with one-eighth of one-twentieth uh, of two-thirds. Now, notice this is all floating depending on how successful you are. Well, back in 1978, William E. Simon Sr. was looking for a way to cope with the socialist, national socialist Nazi medicine that Teddy Kennedy was proposing. He wanted to be a Fuhrer of a single-payer Fuhrer long before Hillary did. Uh, and so we stopped him by pointing out how this could be done and that you pay medical people who are not slaves to other people, but if they wish to help folks on a certain level of intellect and knowledge in a number of hours, because maybe they have kids to take care of at home or whatever it is, they're a part-time nurse, well, they get paid so much based on the revenue of the, the medical provider. And if it's a whole comprehensive medical empire, great, you know, you can figure out these, you know, small percentages. And if, you know, you're improving the health by having genuine economic incentives for preventive care, uh, which unlike Obamacare, there's still 130 million people out there that have pre-existing conditions still untreated. Well, gee, I wonder why that is, because nobody can afford 400% higher stuff on a rigid installment payment that they can't earn because the medical condition they have is preventing them from working. But if you invest in humans for a return on investment by getting them healthy so they can work or they're handicapped, you get them banned transportation, whatever it takes. I helped invent the first one of those, by the way. Uh, the idea is that their income goes up and up and up. Same with education, having a roof over your head, a car to get to work, a plumber's truck, whatever. This kind of thinking to keep people alive and healthy is different than the current medical paradigm, which is chop them up, south them with drugs so they can't work, and before they die, we'll make all the money we can off of the government half of the time. So th there's a different paradigm with health portal television. There's a very different view of people. Uh, Melinda's uh, leading an initiative with some medics on creating a cooperative healers association. It isn't just the doctors, but it's everybody. 
uh, the there, are a lot of the AMA. there are a lot of different approaches and treatments out there, both Eastern and Western, that really work, and they work better than the things that are being used in hospitals today. Well, we're not afraid of doctors uh, who are part of the AMA chasing us down the street with syringes, nor are we f- afraid of national command authority. We would play with presidents like some people play with marbles, and some of them have lost their marbles. So we have lots of information on them from dealing with them before that they don't dare kill us because everybody will know who did it. Actually, what you have to do when that happens is you, you take the information and you send it to six good friends who you're never going to talk to again because you would be endangering them. And then um, you let them know that that's what you did and that that will be released if. I did that, I guess it was in 2005. And, you know, the harassment went down quite a bit. It was good here. We're not afraid of anybody, and neither are the companies we deal with. They all recognize that this is do-or-die time for freedom in media. And, you know, a lot of little efforts, they start out like the civil foundation of a bunch of women investigative reporters. There's a good one that was actually founded by one of the original founders of Google called uh, theintercept.com. And one of the problems is, is when you have a whistleblower, their lives go to hell if you can't have enough money to legally protect them and keep them safe. So you have to have resources to do that. Well, guess what? Advertisers who think that whistleblower television is the greatest thing since sliced bread will come up with that money. It's a little extra, but that's okay. You know, it's part of the deal. And you take these guys on, uh, whether they're polluters. I mean, there's a company in Corona, California, dumping 661,000 pounds of lead right into the water culverts at night, uh, and it goes through 2.5 million people's uh, water systems through some very wealthy people and neighborhoods in Disneyland and on the way to the surfers, and then it goes hits Newport Beach. And this, this lead poisoning, for instance, uh, creates uh, cervical cancer, uh, miscarriages, and stupid children. So a whole bunch of soccer moms would like to kill these this battery. They would if they knew it was happening, but they don't yet. But we're going to make sure they do. So we got the video, and and we kick it out there and say, well, what's the solution? You're going to go to the EPA? They've been reporting. They've been putting this stuff in in the water for a decade. It's up there. You can see the information. They do but not. That, that people don't understand what the information means. It has to be put together for them so that they can see the map and they can say, wait a minute, that's my house right there. So how yeah. many So how many moms uh, who are pissed off can come up with 20 million bucks to buy the company out and make these guys sign a pledge they will never be in the lead business again, you know? Uh, and, and then there's people who want to go after them for justice. Okay, fine, you know, have at them. But you've Stop the problem. Then you got the problem of cleaning up the Santa Ana River. How are you going to do that? Oh, gee, there's all these homeless people that need homes, and they can work, and, gee, they can pay a percentage of their income for roofing instead of being in a giant 100,000-person concentration camp uh, in Riverside or Orange County. So you, this one, actually leads to a much longer story that we will spare you. Yeah, but the whole idea here is that if you want to do something for people making money, and you lose the government part of the equation, you lose the subsidies, you lose the politicians, and you start thinking for yourself with an audience, it is really amazing, especially teenagers. What they I have to recommend a book to you. Uh, I picked up this book not particularly expecting to be impressed. I read it three times 
because the first time I read it, it was like, oh, wow, wow, wow. Um, it's called In Defense of Chaos. The author is um, L.K. Samuels. His name's Lawrence. And Brock has known him for, we've both known him for about 30 years. But I hadn't known exactly what direction his activism was taking. And I read, uh, I, I, having read the book, it's the, the Chaology of Politics, Economics, and Human Action. And what he does, the, the, the theory of chaos is a proven theory. It's the theory of physics. He takes it through every application you could possibly imagine for, for nature, for human action, for the universe. Everything. What was the name of the book again, Melinda? Something of chaos. Of chaos. In defense of chaos. Yes, in defense of chaos. By oh, okay, L. K. Samuels. You can get it on Amazon. It's a fascinating read, and when you read this book, all of a sudden your thoughts about. Um, you know, the artificially created theories of humanity, which aren't based in physics or any hard science, go out the window. What this book tells you is that the, the kind of organizing we're talking about, which is proactive and creative at the level of a mass of people, is what will give you the solutions, which is why we're going for interactive television that includes social media and gaming. So, Joey, your faith in the Internet is correct. If you've ever watched a bunch of birds in flight and one bird starts veering off because it sees a lake, is it the hit bird out at the front that turns everybody? No, there's four or six other birds that are around that say, oh, water. Okay. And so they start going there, and the rest of the group looks like, hey, Joe, the bird's off my right. He's, he's, he's 10 feet away from me. Where's he going? You know, oh, and they all begin to course correct to follow Joey the bird who saw the lake. It's not the Read, read the book. Charged. It's actually uh, more inherent in the nature of bird, you know, biology and neurology than that, okay? Hierarchies don't really exist much. Hierarchies the are the death of any civilization and any species who tries to have a hierarchy. Hierarchies are bad, and that's really what we're talking about here. What we have today is a rigid hierarchy that will destroy us because of the laws of physics. Guess what? You're, as an entrepreneurial TV, ITV producer, Internet Interactive TV producer, you're large and in charge, and you deal with who you want. Now, if somebody offers you a discount, you might say, uh, what are the strings? And if you discover there are none, they just want you to do two-way TV, you can say, okay. Uh, if, if they're Google and say, well, you can't say this, or Facebook says you can't say that, you go, jump out of lake, excuse me. I'm working with these people over here who are doing freedom friends and marketers, uh, which is a whole lot better than, than Facebook, you know. And um, I, birds of a feather can flock together, you know. Uh, yes, and they'll have order, but it'll be order out of, out of their self-interest. Yeah, this West, I knew there was 26 different kinds of libertarians. I counted at least 12 kinds of conservatives, maybe 14 kinds of populists. There's a bunch of liberals and there's neoliberals and there's neoconservatives who are really bad people and uh, progressives who are, tend to be really bad people, except that they carry, they claim they care about people. So, you know, you, you got to deal with all these different folks on your show. 
uh, to have our support, you're not going to just censor, you know, anybody. Anybody can challenge you, and you got to hone your wits on them, or your host does if you're the producer. Or you can let the audience do it. Yeah. The point is not having one person or two people who do it. It's having the whole crowd, because there is genius in the crowd, which is a synopsis of um, Larry's book. I could tell you all about liquid cool phase two uh, data centers that fit in the size of a uh, of a uh, storage container, um, as opposed to saving 90% of the real estate of an air-cooled data center, 90% of the energy of an air-cooled data center, and overall 38% less cost. But when the people making them are also offering you five, six off on your streaming, and they like two-way TV people, and there's Indian nations and people in the Caribbean, everybody buying these things now. Uh, and we can have rural America with a voice. We can have the suburbs with a voice. So they have rapid internet now, too, instead of really slow internet. And you can create an audience that wasn't available before. If you want to do an agricultural TV channel uh, or network, uh, do you think farmers got something to say these days? I, I would think There's so. There's a lot of different forms for farming that are now coming into existence. And one of the things that is part of our Pavant plan is containerized growing because uh, what we're facing with the fires in the West, which is an adjustment uh, to the you know, long-term conditions, is that we need to start thinking real sustainability. One of our partners actually created a material. It's called Geechee, and that's pretty much exclusively what we will be using for building. This material is completely fireproof, completely. You can hold a blowtorch to it. It's never going to burn. It is completely hydrophobic. Uh, if, if it, let's say there was a flood, um, it dried out and it would be just fine. It also has an R rating that's so high that you really don't need energy for heating and cooling. I want you to think for a moment how that changes the energy bill and the need to create energy. And if we can put up one of these houses in less than a week with four different technologies and it will last a thousand years. What's it called again, that material? It's Gichu, G-I-C-C-I. Geopolymer, inorganic, ceramic, composite infrastructure. Now, you can imagine there are people with building codes that aren't going to like that because they, they want to sell these seven-layered fire traps uh, for twice what anything should cost oh. intrinsically. And so would we have them as advertisers on that show? Probably not. But uh, we're just as happy with that. <laughs> but but the, the, the fire insurance companies will oh, we, we want to advertise on this and we'll offer you a lower rate. The, the, the insurance company should understand that instead of rebuilding those houses that shouldn't have been there in the first place, this is what they need to start using. That is sustainable. But I started talking about the growing systems. These growing systems will, you know, give you a perpetual, uh, you know, harvest of food. Uh, they will come with purification units and the water. The problem people have with these growing systems is the mold that will kill off the fungus, a fungus that kills off the crop. 
we have a solution for that as well. Because that's what we went looking for. We went looking for every problem in a system so that we could solve the problems and really give people something that was sustainable. So also, they wouldn't need to worry about replacement costs. When one of these houses, let's say you decided we don't want it there, we decided we want it over here, every piece of that house, the Gucci, can be reused. It can be ground up and made and used again. You can also use Gucci with 3D printing. Modern bar relief to a Victorian. That's uh, right. It's it can look like a Victorian. It's also non-toxic, so you can deal with crops uh, on your compound and so forth, and you can sell RVs, lots, houses, uh, growing systems in a in a co-op in a in a neighborhood where it becomes self-sufficient, cash-wise. One of Barry Goldwater's uh, speechwriters, uh, Carl Hess, actually the speechwriter, called him Shakespeare. Uh, in the uh, 1970s, he came into a whole lot of polyvinyl chloride pool mats. And uh, what was funny was he had a lot of friends who were African-American in Georgetown, uh, wrecked up tenements. And he says, you know, none of your heaters work in the bottom of these things. Why don't you just rip all that out, smooth out all the sharp edges, put this down and grow catfish in your basement. And my, this is D.C. where it gets cold, but they're already cold. They're using space heaters. So they started growing catfish, and they kind of swelled it around so they didn't get oily. Some of them were from the south, and they knew that. And pretty soon they had not only protein for their families, but they had a cash crop, and they began to buy the tenements. And then after a while, they sold them to professors and, and gentrification of Georgetown, and but they moved somewhere else. But they largely remained a community of the ex-catfish people. And I was at a poverty conference with uh, Carl Hess, and I was traveling across the country in a truck, and we stopped to see this. And the lady next to this guy says, man, I can sure see her ordering three million kulaks or Cossacks to their death in Mongolia just to make everybody equal. He says, what I did, I built people up. I did a human investment. Yeah, I sold my vinyl polyvinyl chloride, you know, pool mat stuff. But guess what? I changed Georgetown. And I'm real proud of that. It's one of the top 10 things in my life I've ever done. And I, and, and I explained the percentages you earn. And at the time, my father and I we were inventing a, a, a van transportation system for blind, handicapped, and elderly to eliminate the word shut-in, which you hardly ever hear anymore. 90% of all people were called shut-ins then or handicapped. But we thought they were handicapable, and then they could go get jobs and go to the grocery store. And I had to face rejection. I, I got turned down 52 times by insurance companies, like, oh, the expense of a bunch of handicapped people getting in a car accident in your van. And I go, I'm not careening around corners like an ambulance. I'm taking them to the grocery store. You know, like, okay. And, and, and so an insurance man helped me. I was 20 years old. And he helped me out, and he got Quinlan Insurance Company. To this day, who do I deal with? Quinlan Insurance, you know. Uh, what what do you have? We invented wheelchair locks, air conditioning to the back of vans. Dodge cooperated to their whole assembly lines. They stopped and started making air conditioners to the back of their 18-foot vans. Um, we invented a as the crow fly charging system, which was doesn't matter who got into the van first. It was sort of like a combination of charter bus, taxi, and bus service all at the same time. And we had a regular route that you could deviate from that, you know. And, and then that got me into econometrics, and then I read this article by 
about Milton Friedman's efforts with a bunch of liberals at Duke and Yale to get minority people and women into the Ivy League and how they would pay back a uh, three-tenths of one percent of their annual postgraduate income for a period of 15, 20, 25 years or more, depending on their major. And uh, I followed this over the years with Uncle Milty, and guess what? Uh, by year 15, uh, everybody was paying. There was nobody not paying. There was no default. Well, where the rigid installment payments were having 24% default every downturn, these kids all paid. One of those kids was a guy named Bill Clinton. He had took $500 to get him through Yale Law School. And after he graduated, he was paying his percentage. He says, well, how much is it if I paid this off in the interest? He said, well, let's look on the amortization table. It's a tuition postponement option versus your percentage. Well, that'll be about 525 bucks. He says, here's the 525 bucks. I'm doing really good as a young politician. So he was the first guy to do a paper exchange transaction on a percentage of income contract since old country doctors were offering medical care gets where in Arkansas that he knew about. So when he became president, I was expecting him to do this with a Comprey Healthcare uh, Corporation prospectus, and Vernon Jordan, his lawyer, was all for it, you know, and he, he dug it. Hillary didn't like it. She wanted to be a little fewer of single-payer people. You know, so there's all kinds of ways to make money, evil ways and good ways. You know, that would have been a good way versus an evil way. And we're still fighting it. In a way that makes everybody better off. So we're going to use television for the money-making ways we see to help people and do human investments, whether it's little kids in their business on an entrepreneurial TV network to whether it's – Nobody lying about your company, and you know that, that's how wonderful it is. And then shorting you the next day, well, they got buddies who are, are you know, buying short on your stock. And um, uh, we we're talking to some heavy hitters. You know, we got everything from teenagers who figured out how to silhouette asteroids against the sun. We got 21 billionaires that want to go asteroid hunting. I have, I have a question. Stuff. I need to ask you: How many people on this call saw Armageddon or Deep Impact? <laughs> I didn't see either of them. But yeah. Interactive press button. Yes, interactive press. And then we could see if it, it... But the reason that those two movies were made were, was because of a synopsis that Brock and a friend of his wrote and did not um, register with the Writers Guild. They sent it to um, the Universal and, and Paramount. And they both stole it, which is what they intended, because they were frustrated they couldn't get anybody to look at the problem of asteroid impact on, on the Earth. So I'm going to hand this back to Brock now. He uh, is a champion of intellectual property rights. So if you have an idea and a show concept that you think is, you know, neatest things in sliced bread, we won't steal it from you, nor will any of the companies working with us do that. Uh, some are just allies, but others are, you know, MOU, Memorandum of Understanding people, and uh, they're not going to do that. So, and the ad agencies, you kind of got to keep an eye on, but, you know, we, they want to, you know, have us come back next time, you know, treat people nice. Don't steal from little kids either, you know. So, uh, teenagers, we've found, are some of the best ideators of great concepts out there from cause marketing to you name it. 
uh, the soccer balls that light up at night or whatever. And uh, I said, well, you better get, get the, you know, your thing. We have, we have intellectual property rights uh, lawyers, one of whom is the head of the Voluntary Legal Development Association. One of the problems with cryptocurrency and stuff out there is that there's three things you need to do a good job. One is good governance of the company. Second is great technical support and a way to fix problems. And the third is a pre-decided area where you're going to resolve disputes in arbitration first and then a legal venue like, say, Southern California. So even if the disputant is in France, you don't need to get on a plane to go to France to win or lose your case. They'll use California law there. And... So whatever, if it goes that far, a lot of companies only have one or two, but they don't often have all three. So we have some pretty good quality standards for the people we want to do business with that are part of FITNA, and they have to agree to not sabotage stuff and not, you know, uh, do censorship or keep part of the audience out. The audience can decide who, who they don't want to listen to and so forth. They're free to do that. Uh, we're not going to tell people what's good for them, you know. So this is where we make lots of friends. There are plenty of people in media and media tech and data centers that are for freedom of expression and the choice to choose and don't believe there's not. The corporate alignments that are against that that you're more familiar with, we're just as big as bad as they are. It's just nobody ever heard about that. So newsflash, that's why we're... Offering Fred Smartly for it's kind of exclusive on this. <laughs> guys, you, know, you, guys us, you guys are giving us a front row seat. We really appreciate your your time and your energy and your and your thoughtful responses to all of these. Joey's things. got it, good it, questions. He does. <laughs> Joey, thank you, buddy. Always kind of welcome. You, uh, we, all right. We going, but it's getting late. I got plenty of more questions. I sent my email to you guys. Uh, via your website and the comment, so you remember, is we spoke. I'm oh, the wonderful. friend of Fred. All right. Uh, I'll remember. I'll could, remember this. A friend of Fred. Yes. Could you could you tell me what that building material was again? Geechee. G I C C I. That's our acronym for it. G I C C I. Yeah. And uh, it. it if you give us your email, we'll send you uh, an example proposal on how we plan on using it in drought-ridden Utah, for starters. Uh, the Southwest Water Aqueduct Pipeline that will take water from flooding East Texas rivers, not to mention the Mississippi, and bring it west. So we're making lots of friends with Native American Indian nations. We have a Native American interactive TV called NATV uh, that uh, they're getting very interested in. There's about 165 Native American producers out there that have been wondering, how do we get on television? You know, well, wow. we don't know how to aim a camera. Let's look here, guys. You know, yeah. Well, could you, you say know, again what DICCI is again real quick? Oh, uh, sorry. The fancy long term is uh, geopolymer, inorganic, ceramic, think your toilet or sink here, you know, mm-hmm. uh, composite infrastructure. And wow. also, it is good for infrastructure. It'll be great for overpasses, dams. You name it. And roads. And we're not you know now that they actually have the machinery to extrude things like a curb and roads. 
when the government can't borrow, you got to understand that Mr. Biden and all these other people talking about these trillion dollar things, it's fantasy. The rest of the world said, U.S. Congress, you're spending money like drunken sailors on pretty middle class people, and you're screwing us over on the world's uh, currency. So the IMF last December created a, uh, which is dominated by Americans, uh, a, a reserve currency only for bankers to do the same stupid stuff of watching rigid installment payments uh, fail by, you know, a quarter of their customers, and then, oh, we're in trouble, help us out, and then they steal us from the taxpayers. No, they put the taxpayers in hock. In hock to who? Well, China owns 20%, communist China owns 20% of the U.S. federal debt. Little old ladies in Japan who saved their money and bought shares of Honda and U.S. Treasury bonds, they own about 20%. And then there's the British and the Dutch and everybody else. But they stopped buying. The U.S. government cannot sell bonds more than uh, 500, um, uh, well, a billion in a quarter. Uh, nobody's buying anymore. The jig is up. Uh, the American economy is tied to the U.S. government, unfortunately. What FITNA and a bunch of companies want to do is divorce the United States from America in terms of redoing all of our contracts so we have no dependence on them and all of their phony promises and pretense to do jobs isn't going to matter a whit. They're a moot point. They just don't know it yet. They, but they'll find out. They'll find out. On television. <laughs> so, so it was geopolymer. Inorganic. Inorganic. Correct. Ceramic. Composite. Uh, composite infrastructure. In infrastructure. Okay. Yeah. Now, this is the real deal. This isn't speculative science. We're ready to start building tomorrow. If somebody says, oh, I want to lay a bunch of slabs here for an RV park, and I want to sell them for lifetime leases or to people as a person to build their income. A community in Utah. Yeah. And, and so there's 10,000 square miles of non-government-owned desert in southern Utah is just had water. Well, guess who's got the water? The Native American tribes do. Irony of irony. Uh, they, uh, they actually own 23% uh, to 26% of the Colorado River. Uh, they wanted to, The Navajos wanted to build a, a pipeline through their territory over to St. George, Utah, and six states said, oh, there's not enough water to go around. Don't do that. So I think, well, heck with them. There's, there's other tribes up here north of you that will work with you. You know, the PavantWaldC.com, W-A-L-D-C.com. P-A-H-V-A-N-T, PavantWaldC. The letter C. Go to business plan. Dot com and then click on business plan and you'll see it there. Instead of us emailing it, you can look look at what's there. So we're getting like you know a dozen capital groups that are in Utah worried about the fact that Utah's agriculture is only 2.4 percent of the economy. So if rail transit or truck transit or some epidemic happens and it cuts off food supplies. The people in Utah will have to walk out of their cities and towns in about a month. They're very good at doing food storage around here, but not that good. And so where do they go? 
Okay. That's a scary thought. Then you got, you know, so people are saying, yeah, this is a problem. And you guys got some answers here from the wisdom of, you know, kids, teenagers, you know, how you get this water here. And we listen to everybody. Yes, it's inter- when you go down to the menu, it's introducing the plan. Ah, okay. Uh, and there's also a delightful story about uh, Effie Hoffelt, and she is the elderly lady that Brock met when he was in Utah uh, doing some work uh, with... Um, she was 96 years old. She was 96. She was a nurse. She piled up Navajo and uh, youth bodies like cordwood in the 1918 flu epidemic. She didn't want to see that happen again because there wasn't enough sanitation because of the lack of water. And so she made this her life trust that she was going to be a water trustee. And you can find out about her there, some of it in her own words. Yeah, I wrote the governor of Utah for like, why do you want to write the governor? So anyway, they were doing this thing from the federal government where the state would control it and the water. And so up they flooded the Ute Indian lands. They now have 1.1 million acre feet. All of Salt Lake City only uses 70,000 acre feet. Okay, now what are you going to do with the rest of this water? Okay, oh, let's make a water pipe network across uh, southern Utah, uh, which are all these pioneer reservoirs are owned by private property farmer cooperatives. Whether in the northern third of Utah, it's all government, government, and more government of a central Utah water project. And they kind of forgot to steal the taxes from people in southern Utah. Oh, no, they did steal the taxes, but they didn't hand it out. In So what we're putting together is uh, people with water pipes. Now, this is the way interactive TV would work. Um, there's a, a little town up here around Delta that's got $2.5 million to stick a water pipe from a place called Lake Mona southwards to their farming community. And... These are people that do dry farming, and they asked for water. They prayed for water to come out of the sky, and it didn't always do that. God wasn't listening. So they decided to build a reservoir or two, and they put it in Goodyear. But that still wasn't good enough because recessions in 1910 and 1929, they owed the bank for their money or their tools, and the bank repossessed it. Well, the banks have all of this land from the failure of rip and strip of equity contracts that people were stupid enough to sign. And they're stupid because they haven't done anything with this land in all these years. Well, we've got banks with land, uh, Native Americans with water. We have percentages you're in finance. We have television to market it. And through all these wonderful solutions, 200 million. And one of the things that Utah has is a flood of Californians coming in who need a place to live. And one of our thoughts was that we could create a place for them to live that would solve more than one problem because we can demonstrate to people across the country and around the world how they can survive the funds that are coming, which are going to the daughters. There's, there's all sorts of major death-dealing problems in America, in Los Angeles, where we were at. In Torrance and Wilmington, there's refineries that have 55,000-gallon tanks of hydrofluoric acid, which will kill every living thing it touches. Dogs Hydrofluoric acid hugs the ground when it uh, is released. Yeah, and a little seven-mile-an-hour breeze within yeah, three hours, most of Los Angeles is dead or dying in Maine. There are supposed to be 49. There are now 48 of these hydrofluoric acid refineries across the United States. And I think we I have an article up that I wrote on, on one of the websites 
about that and where the danger zones are. Fred, Fred, do you need to get? Do we need to close out? Because I know we have yeah, to get we going. Should, we should actually close out. <laughs> Ready to go. We don't need to. Yeah. No, no, we can close out. It's fine. Whatever. You guys, I, I'm sure this call could go five more hours, but I, in, in, in the interest of just keeping it. Well, we'll have up, to get to bed. I understand. Well, we have to get to bed. Do you guys have free speech TV? I mean, you can have that if you want. No, you 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 have you have Link TV. That's yours? Oh, oh, Link TV. I know what you're talking about. Uh, no, but uh, alliances can be made every day. If you want to give them a call, we'll, we'll be happy to work it out with them. There's so many companies out there that, would, that have a self-interest from polling companies, uh, phone bank companies, you name it. You know, if, if, if you need some of those and we don't have one, uh, go get them to join Fitna while they're helping you too, you know, and get a good discount for you and everybody else. This is not any central hierarchy. This is very horizontal management and television and the internet. Well, and I'm involved with a group called National Liberty Alliance that's trying to teach common law to people. Perfect. Perfect. I started started a a website on that in like 2000 and I think 2005. It's still up Uh there. Yeah, jury What's voter TV and uh, I don't remember. I have I have about if I counted them all up, I have about 300 websites, and most of those are in shows, and a lot of them are already listed as active. But that uh, one isn't. I just ran across it the other day. Oh, Jade, that's a great that's a great window for you, Jade, to get in. Yeah. Yeah. Bring it. It's, it's mm-hmm. wonderful. The, the the fully informed jury association, CJA. I mean, they got great stuff. Oh yeah, so, it needs television. Let's do William Penn and start with that, you know, and and we can go on from there, you know. But there's there's like the women of the jury, ERA now, uh, you know, there's phone well, and we'll, the TV referendum, I mean, all kinds of good stuff. Debate. Well, and our our, our 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 goal is to be the grand jury administrator. So if you need a jury, we pick the jury members. We put them through an eight-hour course on the Constitution and common law, and then you can have them. Well, well, they can do it on TV. Um, go take a look at the what the uh, at um, take it to the people TV. I did that. I did actually a a proposal, um, and I got some interest from Hollywood in it, but they wanted to make it you know not real. This would have an interactive audience. People would become the jury, and they would hear cases that you couldn't get justice on otherwise. Sheriff That's Mack the point. is a, a friend of Melinda's uh, and a student, as yeah. I was, of Cleon Skousen, uh, who was a former FBI agent, former chief of police, and they use the U.S. Constitution as the police manual part one. Uh, uh-huh. They're gonna. Sheriff they're, Mack always carried a copy of the Constitution, and he made his deputies yeah. do the same. He goes to sheriff yeah. conventions and tries to educate these guys up. Well, we aim cameras in these sessions for those sheriffs that are willing to, you know, be on TV and ask questions and get answers and the audience weighs in and all of a sudden you've got a giant version of community policing and alternatives to police with security and arbitration disputes, uh, courts and all kinds of good stuff 
that needs to be great television. It will. Be yeah, like Sheriff, Sheriff, Sheriff Mack's uh, group, uh, Constitution Sheriffs and Peacekeepers, uh, Peace Officers, uh, Peace Officers uh, Organization is a perfect a perfect example. That's that needs to be on the air. There's so it's much. Gosh, you guys, there's young people, and we'll do it. Yes, yeah, you guys are so, so exciting, uh, all this information. It's just my head is spinning. <laughs> Melinda, Melinda, Jeffrey Foster, Brock, David Don, thank you so much for spending time, and we probably need to have you back on on a more regular yep. basis, guys, because this is going to be uh, one hand washes the other. It's sort of like a web of interconnectivity of ideas and excitement and energy. And thank you for presenting this uh, great encapsulated uh, version of the vision that you guys have been sharing and expanding upon uh, to remake our world into a better, better place. All right. Well, thank you. You have been it's been wonderful being here, and we're looking forward to being here again. And we and props to Joey for terrific. questions. Thank you, Dee Dee. Thank you, Steve. Yeah. Here, uh, here. Yes. I think we got a wrap on the call. Steve, you can do the wrap right now and. Linda, we'll follow up with you guys. And Brock, a pleasure to meet you, too. Yeah. Remember to have all of us here. All right. Okay. You, be, well, you be, be well and be free. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Come, come bless you both. We'll follow up with you guys. American Underground Network. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.